0: Welcome back to the LFC Agenda, reflecting on Liverpool's victory at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2. Wow, I've got to say that was a bit of a escape act from Liverpool yet again. It's not the first time. Record-breaking 18 points rescued at this point in the season. And um, after the comebacks against the likes of Luton and Manchester City, where he rescued a draw... Uh, more recently against Fulham, uh, Newcastle. Of course, there's been so many. They are getting quite a reputation, aren't they? I would be concerned if they continue this way. I've got to be honest. These slow starts are not good for my health, and um, especially if we end up, as we expect, could be the case, sustaining any kind of title push. Then um, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to ease off these a little bit. So it has been a while since we came to you with a podcast, and big apologies for that. Life just got in the way, but I am planning on doing a midweek pod where we can reflect on the first half of the season and also look back at um, the last three or four games we had, which we've not covered in a bit more detail. Even though a bit of time's passed, it's still good to to look back at the games and and see how things went and share some thoughts on those. But today we'll just concentrate on. The latest victory has taken the mighty red to the top of the table. Clear of Arsenal, who dropped points at Aston Villa. And um, things looking good for now. We'll talk about the title race in a little bit. But for now, let's focus on the game itself. It started pretty poorly. I've got to say, it did have all the feels of... A team that was reluctant to go into another twelve thirty kickoff looked a lot more leg weary than they had previously when we had players coming back from South America and across the globe from from international duty, and Palace, for you know all the struggles they've had recently, looked very motivated. They'd just lost two nil to Bournemouth at home in the week, so they were kind of down on their knees and looking like a, a team that was there for the taking. But just going into this game, I had the feeling that this would be another struggle, another tale of, of uh, toiling and, and real kind of... I don't know, I just I just felt that there'd be a real obdurate test for, for Liverpool and unfortunately it proved to be that way. Even though we came out of the points in the end, it did leave me um, concerned going into the match and, and also after the match on reflection once I'd uh, settled and the adrenaline had settled down, I did think to myself, it's another one, it's another game where we've not really, away from Anfield, showed our true selves. And Liverpool are going to have to stop doing this, because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for a team that wants to push for the title to keep going behind and failing to, to assert themselves from the off. But I guess when it happens a few times, you would say that that's a sign of a, a team that can be... Trusted to turn things around and um, could be a a good omen. But I just don't want it to be a pattern that that continues going into the season. So as I say, poor first half. Um, Alisson was back in the nets, which was just as well for us because Kevin Kelleher, uh, whilst we did hoover up six points with him in goal, um, probably would not have come off this pitch as as the hero, as Alisson did. He made a big save in, in the first half from, from Lerma. So the first major bit of drama in the game arrived in the first half when Virgil van Dijk was correctly adjudged to have fouled Odson-Edouard in the Liverpool penalty box, tapped him on the shin, brought him down and the referee pointed to the spot. But he had missed in the build-up a pretty blatant shove on Endo from the Palace midfielder. Will Hughes, who was, I've got to say, he was really aggressive throughout the first half and I'm surprised that he escaped without a booking. Uh, ironically, the person who did get booked was Virgil van Dijk for the ensuing piece of play where, you know, had the referee spotted the original infringement, we wouldn't have even arrived at this point. But nevertheless, Liverpool, again, were fairly ragtag and didn't really impose themselves. And it just felt, it had all the feelings of, you know, with the looting game when... You just sense that a goal was coming. It felt like there was something on the horizon. And inevitably, with Liverpool not really getting their act together, it arrived in the 57th minute. Jarrell Quance repeating Virgil van Dijk's penalty box clumsiness. This time, there was no overturning of the penalty. And Mateta, who'd been brought down, dispatched very impressively just to the, the left of um, Alisson. Place went wild. You know, Sohurst Park's that kind of ground where, you know, once the crowd gets behind the team and they get going, it can become really rowdy, really unsettling. And Liverpool, again, didn't seem to respond. Um, they had a lot of the possession. I think the stats show that they had well over 70% of the possession. But there wasn't much in the way of chances created and they still didn't quite wake up. Uh, Palace, they were structured and ordered. Everything you'd expect uh, Roy Hodgson team to be. And, um, you know, even given his less than popular history of Liverpool fans, I still do hold a lot of admiration for, for him as a manager. I'm pretty sure many in the game do. I just think he should retire by now, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's not an ages thing. He just looks knackered. He looks fed up a lot of the time. I think Recently, he'd had a go at the Palace fans for, for not supporting the team properly. He just looks generally fed up, but anyway, I digress. It was pretty pitiful from Liverpool. Um, but as ever, there's always something there ready to spark them into life. I'm going to talk about the incident that seemed to turn things in a moment, but what was most interesting for me was. At half-time, Endo had come off, Uh, Joe Gomez had come on, uh, played in right-back and played really, really well. And there's a big debate among Liverpool fans about what Liverpool should be looking to do in the transfer market when the window opens up in January. It always feels like we're body short, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be that everyone can agree on what that incoming should be should we choose to to spend? I don't think it's a right back. I'm not just saying it off the back of what I saw yesterday in the game against Palace. But I, I do want to talk about the fact that Joe Gomez now, as well as being defensively solid, has also developed the attacking side of his game. He looks very purposeful. There seems to be a lot of industry behind what he does. He's someone who you can see the experience that he's gained over the years being part of this Liverpool team and one of the uh, less celebrated cast members of of the fairly successful period we've had in recent times, he he seems to have matured and and developed and become that guy who can play in the right hand side of central defence and as right back. And I feel that you know, with Trent being pushed into that midfield role, that isn't where I'd spend the money. So. Uh, Endo coming off made me think of that in particular but also the fact that we still haven't solved properly that holding midfield role and I do feel that you know when you come to grounds like Palace where it is a bit harem scaring where it can get a bit frantic you saw against Luton how we were caught on a counter attack this is always a risk for for Liverpool and um, if it was me Given the choice between a right back, uh, left sided centre back, and a holding midfielder, I'd still go for that holding midfielder. Or if you can get someone who can operate in both the holding six role and the centre back role, someone who's, who's a bit of a, a multitasker, I'd go for that. But generally speaking, um, it would be useful, I think, to, to go for, if you're going for a top tier player, someone that is. Less of a utility man and has that that specialist role. So, whatever Klopp decides is a priority. And please, I hope with Matip now being out for the season, well it seems to be the case that he does move for for one or the other. But that remains to be seen. So, I think that change helped. But then also, when what was really encouraging is when Jones, when Curtis Jones came on and Harvey Elliott immediately. You know, all the things that we've spoken about in terms of the qualities that they bring on this podcast previously, they showed them, they came to the fore. So Curtis Jones being able to hold the ball up, being able to be really uh, good in possession, keep things moving, even though he doesn't necessarily have that sting in the tail uh, attacking-wise, um, he brought that to the game and he brought a sense of calm. And I think the position, the possession <clears throat> stats went up from that point. I think partly that was down to the fact Liverpool chasing the game, but also you could see that he brought something new to the team. And Harvey Elliott, wow, what an impact! <laughs> this is this is a guy who I really had my doubts about, and week by week, I am really changing my mind about whether he's going to be someone that sticks around at the club. I still don't think he's necessarily that top top tier guy who you look at and think is going to start the game. But when Soboslai came off, uh, you could see, you know, Dominic, he's been struggling for a couple of weeks. But I think that may have been because he's he's just come straight into it and he's not really had uh, any history in the Premier League. So he's he's dealing with new scenarios and, and new challenges. Uh, whereas Harvey Elliott is definitely showing himself to be someone who can bring a degree of thrust and, and impetus to the attack. Um, he suffers from the fact he doesn't really have a lot of pace. So you can't really put him out on as a winger, um, you know, hugging the touchline. But at the same time, he does, again, seem, seem to be developing his game to, to the point where you need to consider him for certain scenarios. I, I still don't see him as a starter, but I, I'm seeing the value of him big star. He did grab the winner and we'll come on to that in a bit. So there were two... Controversial decisions for, for Palace in terms of penalties. I thought the first one was pretty straightforward that I've spoken about. The second one, I probably would have given that as well. And then the third major decision came with the sending off of Andre Ayu. He's booked for a bit of petulance, really, kicking the ball away or, or blocking um, a free kick as it was about to be taken, I should say. Uh, and then his second booking was for... I wouldn't say an innocuous challenge, it was it was a meaty, robust challenge and you've seen those given. Um, and given that he'd already received the card, it was probably foolish, But so I, I do have a degree of sympathy, um, but it just wasn't an intelligent thing to do uh, in the circumstances. 70 seconds after he's sent off and receives his, his booking, and I remember in between the time we scored the goal and the sending off, I messaged a couple of people in a forum I was in, to say now they're going to tighten up and they're going to go more into their shell, it's going to be more difficult for us. But actually, it seemed that they were more vulnerable than ever and they conceded 70 seconds later. And who else but Mohamed Salah stepping up to uh, rifle in a deflected shot um, that brought us level and that was his 200th goal. So it feels like each and every single pod we're... You know, singing the praises of Mohamed Salah, and why not? Because we're talking about an all-time Premier League great, an all-time Liverpool legend, um, an icon for his country, for his club, uh, and someone who, when you see the interview or the interviews that he was doing um, after the game, and the interviews that he did with Harvey Elliott, you can sense that you know this is someone that steps fore as a leader and has a huge influence over over that dressing room, but continues to show and improve on the pitch as well. So two hundred goals, fantastic achievement. It was far from his best, but it was huge in the sense of Palace probably realising at that point, damn, we're a man down. There's fifteen minutes of normal time to go. There'll be injury time and Liverpool gonna par on the pressure because they've got big targets to go for. I went back to my WhatsApp group and I said, There's no way we don't win this. And I deeply believe that deeply believed it again really concerning that it took me until the 76th minute to come to life but hey it is what it is and Harvey Elliott wow <laughs> that winner was absolutely the kind of thing which can ignite someone's career um he's not a he's not a kid anymore but now I feel that you know when you have a moment like that um, that wins your team a game that secures vital points when they're going for a big prize. Um, that really psychologically can can flick a switch. And I'm hoping that's the case. Let's see. Um, in the 91st minute, just a few seconds after the referee had held up the board to say there'd be 10 minutes of injury time, <laughs> in my head I was thinking, can't it be 11? He received the ball from Hamid Salah. It was one of those assists. Salah gets another assist, but it was one of those where it's a bit embarrassing to give an assist to anyone, given Harvey did all the work. He received the the ball from Salah um with uh probably three players um to 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 beat on his on his way to goal. He had a quick scan over his shoulder, saw the space, turned, had a couple of feints and dummies reached the edge of the box and rifled the ball hard into the, the, the left-hand corner of the net. And there was no way the keeper was saving that. And I've seen some people come out and say, oh, actually, the positioning of, of Johnson in, in in the Palace goal wasn't quite right or he wasn't quite set. Absolute nonsense. There's nothing he could have done about that because he was unsighted because of the speed of thought, and movement and that, that um, Elliot showed and how early he released that shot. Absolutely cracking goal to, to win the game. Again, pillows and cushions flying in my living room, lots of shouting, kids scared, but well worth it um, for, for another vital three points. As I say, I don't enjoy this team's propensity for drama. I'd rather they get things done earlier, but it's a good habit that I guess they're developing in a sense of winning points from losing positions. Um, rather than giving them away. I'd rather it's this this way around than the other. A couple of things that I didn't like about the game, I'd say. uh, Nunes, Darwin Nunes seemed to have one of those games where, again, he passed up half opportunities and didn't really get involved so much um, in the build-up play. Uh, Just didn't seem really on it today. I don't want to point him out because it just makes him an easy target for those who have set in their mind, and I'm talking Liverpool fans here, that you know he's not of the standard required, that he's not going to make it. I'm absolutely convinced he is, but it's just taking longer than I would anticipate. That was uh, definitely um, a minus. And also, speaking about Endo, but I, I just want to say in terms of the shape of the team and the control that the midfield had, generally... Uh, with Graham and Birch, uh Subisla and Endo. None of them really were able to impose themselves and, and it was the reason that Liverpool actually didn't even get a chance to to create many opportunities because they didn't progress up the, up the pitch quickly enough uh, for the first hour or more. Uh, and that was definitely a disappointing aspect of the game. But again, in terms of positives... You know, you walk out of the ground with three points from a losing position. As I say, Gomez was a big highlight. I've uh, got Simikas on the other side. Who he's no Robertson replacement in terms of you know all of the qualities that Andy Robertson at his best, and he wasn't at his best before he went off injured um, earlier in the season. But he's no Robertson replacement when you look at all the qualities that that Robertson brings. But he's he's not playing in a position where I think it will affect us too much. I've said this before. And since he's come into the team, it's not like we've dropped loads of points or, you know, we've really struggled down that left-hand side. I think it just took him a while to get up and going because, like, anyone who's not played a lot of football, it's going to be really difficult for them to to get up to speed. So I am optimistic that, you know, even a month down the line or if we're still talking in February um, about Andy Robertson and, and when he might return, there's not going to be a, a clamour to, to try and fix something that's... Um, horribly broken uh, or is costing us. Um and then Elliot and Jones just I'm thinking I'm thinking about the the coming games that we've got against Man United at home next Sunday against the um the the Hammers in the League Cup the week after and then Arsenal because the league games are the ones that that concern me the most or that I'm concerned with the most. And I'm looking at either one or both of them being really involved in those fixtures. I remember Harvey Elliott was particularly impressive when we slaughtered the, the, the Red Devils last season at Anfield. And I feel that with the home crowd behind them, you're going to get more, particularly from Harvey Elliott, I think, um, in terms of you know that, that attacking threat. Uh, and they'll be more encouraged to... to To make an impact and and from the start, I wouldn't be worried about either of them starting. I don't know about both of them because I hope McAllister will be back by that point and I'd expect him to start. And I do feel for the recent struggles that Sobislai has had um, in in his uh, recent turnouts for Liverpool, that he'll still be that number two um, on the team sheet. So it'll be very interesting to see how Young Klopp juggles his his options because, again, December continues at a pace with lots of games flying at us left, right and centre. Next up, we've got um, Union Gilles. I hope I've not butchered their name again. But that's going to be a dead rubber, so I wouldn't expect too many risks there. I'd expect uh, Kim Kelleher to come back in. I'd expect there to be wholesale changes Um For that Thursday match, because it's an away game as well. And keeping our powder dry, for what I anticipate, will be an utter battering of Man United. Now, I know it's weird and probably quite risky, (laughs) given I'm recording this, to come out with something like that. But I'm absolutely convinced by the absolute and complete horror show. That Man United put in against Bournemouth on the weekend where they got pulverized 3 0. And by the way, we're lucky, uh, due to our decision to even get away with just three. I'm convinced there is nothing they can do to stop us savaging them again. I'm I've never looked forward more to a Man United game than this one coming up. And there's been a few that I've looked forward to. I remember the the 3-1 that Mourinho has suffered that ultimately cost him his job. I remember the 5-0 that Oli Solskjaer oversaw at Old Trafford. I remember the 4-0. There's been loads, is not there? We've rinsed them over the recent years. And going into all those games, I was fairly confident. But this one, above all, with all the mess that's going on in that club, with the inevitable stress that's going to be placed on them, whatever the outcome... Um, from the Champions League fixture this week that they've got against Bayern Munich, I am so looking forward to this game. But anyway, so that's that's to come. As I say, I'm trying to record a, a pod before them because I've missed the three or four fixtures, and it would be good to reflect on a bit more detail in a bit more detail on uh, some of those games that we had and share thoughts on that. And overall, looking at the you know this season as a whole um, as we approach what's essentially the halfway point, right? So. I'll try and record that for, for Wednesday. I'm not too bothered about the Europa League game and we'll also try and get an a, a Man United preview if there's time uh, for the Friday because that will be an interesting one to 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 look at, uh, to say the least. I do feel that whilst I'm very confident about the game, they will be fired up for it. Uh, I just don't think there's much they can do <laughs> to stop us really uh, assaulting them. Alison Becker, I need to I need to talk a bit more about Alison because I'd forgotten how the game ended. I spoke about the incredible save from from the first half from Jefferson Lerma, and in the second half, after we scored, deep into those ten minutes of injury time, probably in the hundred ninth minute, there was an absolutely amazing moment, which just again underlined why this team. Are going to be there or thereabouts uh, if they manage to keep players fit. Because he really is um, the top keeper in this league when it comes to shot stopping. And it must be so difficult when you see Virgil van Dijk who's getting back to his best. And behind him you have uh, Alisson. These barriers, no matter how poorly the defence is playing. These absolute monsters who are just such difference makers. Must have been in the 109th minute. Palace, who just kept going to their credit, they had a free kick, probably 40 yards from goal, uh, to the left-hand side of Liverpool's penalty box. They loaded up the the penalty error. Boers launched in, and somehow, I can't even remember who made connection with it. doesn't even matter. It was a Palace player who was foiled, put it that way. Right in front of Alison Becker, it was one of those moments like, against Napoli, where you're thinking he's just earned his weight in gold. Point blank save, pushed it out. He celebrated it. You could see in his eyes what it meant. Even though it went out for a corner and the job was not done, you could see from his reaction, from the reaction of his his teammates, they understood how big a moment that was. And so it proved. I'm just so happy he's back for this running because I'm thinking now, this psychologically, for other players, sorry, for other teams who come up against us, It's such a big, big thing. I think he's going to have many more moments like that. Hopefully it won't be after us chasing games. and Hopefully there'll be a few less narrow wins away from home. But Anfield, he's one of the major reasons we've lost one match in 50 in the Premier League. One match in 50. Think about that, Reds, as we go into this crunch point of the season. Coming to Liverpool and getting a point is probably one of the most stressful Things for a team in the Premier League to to try and achieve, and Alisson's a big reason behind that. Okay, so going to leave it there. As I say, we'll try and come to you midweek and and assess Liverpool's performance over the first half of the season, and and obviously cover off those games uh, such as Sheffield United and and Fulham, another dramatic <laughs> performance, and daily offers for Liverpool. And we'll get into detail about those and then try and look ahead to the Man United game. Maybe we'll do it all in one pod. I haven't decided. I'm just buzzing off the fact that Liverpool are top of the league. We are top of the league. Reds, enjoy your week and we'll catch up soon. You never walk alone.